Come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. So joy is a, the primary emotion of, of Christmas. Around Christmas time, um, people become more peaceful and joyful uh, just even because of the celebration of the holiday. Our son, Zachary, uh, he's, he's a sheriff explorer, and he went out on his, his weekly ride-along last night, and he said it was a really slow night. And I was a little surprised at first because Saturday night's kind of busy and there's 150,000 people on the mountains. But he said there was hardly any calls last night, and I thought, that's because it's Christmas time. Because I think it's something happens in most people that we begin to settle our hearts and we begin to think about family. The joy is, is the primary thing, the primary emotion we see at Christmas, but we got to understand something that joy, though we want to have joy, we have to understand that joy and happiness are not the same thing. Joy and happiness are, 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 are very different, and there's times that we have joy when we're happy, but we also know that there's been times in our life that maybe even though we might be happy, there's a a sadness in us. Well, the opposite is true in Jesus. Though the situations of life may be difficult, we can actually have joy. Happiness is based on events. It's, it's based on things that's going on in your life. It's, joy is so much deeper than that. It's, it's an established um, feeling. It's a knowledge. It's not just even a feeling, but it's a knowledge. And it's based, I believe, on who Jesus is and what he's done. And he's given us a joy. I, ha I have joy during the Christmas season, but I tell you, it's not everything is happy. For the last few weeks, there's been a lot of uh, big, sad events that I've been part of, that have been happening uh, around me, to friends, to people in the church, difficulties. And yet, through all of those things, the difficult news, I have joy in my relationship with Christ. So happiness is based on, on events. When, when you're happy, things are going your way. Or when things are going your way, you're happy. And when things start going against you, you become unhappy. You're, you're going to be happy, most of you, on, on Wednesday morning, those who have grandkids and kids and have gifts under the tree. And, and you're going to be happy when you watch them open the gifts. I love watching my kids open their Christmas gifts. In about three weeks, when the credit card bill comes in, you won't be happy anymore. Right? You get the happy thing, the, the things happening. Happiness comes and goes. Even the, the gift that one day makes you happy breaks, and now you're unhappy, right? One day you're singing joy to the world. And I, and I heard this. The next day you're singing oi, to the world. <laughs> Happiness comes and goes, but joy, on the other hand, it's not based on events. And joy is actually an emotion of hope. The season of Advent is a season based on, on hope. Hope of his first coming, the coming of Jesus, and hope of his second coming. When you find people who don't have joy in their life, it's usually because they have no hope. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. So joy is an emotion of hope. And joy is a perspective. It's a lens that you need to choose to see life through. It's a lens that you have to look through and see life through it, even in the dark and difficult times. We know that some of you are going through those times even as we speak. Christmas brings up a lot of happiness and joy, but it can also be a difficult and dark time. Just this past week, I sat with a friend who was imminently going home to be with Jesus. Shannon and I sat in his bedroom and there were some tears. He's ready. He's ready to go home and be with Jesus. In fact, he wants to go home. 
and there was sadness, but there was something in that room of joy that I cannot express to you. His wife started talking about his brother who had passed away. And he got a big smile on his face. I thought, how are you smiling? Because he says, I'm going to see my brother again. Because this man knows Jesus. He has joy, even in the moment of passing. And there was something beautiful in that moment. When you read the Christmas story in the scriptures, you see joy throughout it. The angels had joy. The shepherds had joy. The wise men had joy. The baby, John the Baptist, had joy. He leaped in his mother's womb. Of course, Mary had joy. Seems like the only people in the story who didn't have joy were the religious leaders and the politicians. Not much has changed. We're going to look at Mary's joy because Mary's joy was an unexpected joy. If you think about it, you might go, wow, you know, she's going to be the mother of Jesus. That must be wonderful. But when you think a little bit deeper how difficult this whole pregnancy bearing the Son of God would be for her. Mary had news that nobody would believe. She was going to enter a, a complicated and even a humiliating time of her life. This girl was young, 12, 13, 14 years old. And she had to tell the story that she was pregnant by God. She was supposedly a virgin, but everyone else wouldn't believe it. And when I say supposedly, I'm talking about those who would look at her and say, well, that can't be true. Who's going to believe the story? But Mary had a joy that she carried throughout the whole time. She knew that she had God's favor on her life. In Luke chapter 1, Mary says this. It says, My soul praises the Lord's greatness. My spirit finds its joy in God my Savior. Not in my circumstances. It finds joy in God my Savior because he has looked favorably on me, his servant. Christmas is a time of hope. It's a time of joy. And for a lot of people, Advent, that time of hope, seems like a lifelong waiting period. Amen. It's a time of expectation where we look back at the coming, the expected coming of Jesus and the fulfillment, but we look forward to his return. But for many people, their whole life seems like an advent of waiting and hoping, waiting on the Lord to come and do something in their life, to set something right. People are waiting for a healing. People are waiting for hope. They're waiting for an answer. They're waiting for direction or waiting for some kind of provision in their life. They're waiting for the king. They're waiting for Jesus to come and set up his kingdom in their life and just make things right. That's what people are waiting for. And some people wait for years. Some for decades. But there's, there's a decision that we have to, to make in our season of waiting, in our own advent, when we're waiting for the Lord to show up. And it's, will we wait in doubt or will we wait in hope? Will you wait in sadness or will you wait in joy? Many of us, the longer we wait, the less hope we seem to have. Psalm 27 says this, Wait with hope for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart be courageous. Yet, yes, wait with hope for the Lord. So what does it mean to wait with hope? If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. And There's a relationship of hope and joy, and, and this is what it is. To wait with hope, it literally means to anticipate with joyful, confident expectation. Isn't that good? Wait with joyful, confident expectation. Some people say they're hoping in God, but they're actually afraid. They're shaking. They're fearful. That's not the kind of waiting with hope that the Bible's talking about. To wait with hope is to wait with a joyful, confident expectation. You know, about once every couple of years, I buy one lottery ticket just in case God wants to bless me through that 
been a couple years, so maybe it's time again. I buy one. I don't buy 10, 20. I buy one. Usually we do it as a family or something. And you know, we wait. We hope that maybe those numbers will come in. But I don't have an expectation that it's going to. <laughs> I just think, well, there it goes a couple of bucks. <coughs> Judge me if you want. See, when you, when you do something like that, there's not an expectation of winning, is there? There's a hope. We can all hope. We can hope that, that you know, we didn't know that there were, we had some lost, long-lost great aunt who was rich and that we, she put us in the will for some reason. But is there anticipation, expectation? So we're waiting for the king to arrive in our lives with an answer, with some provision, a miracle. Are you waiting for the Savior to step into your world? That's what Christmas is about. Are we waiting for the Prince of Peace to come and get rid of the confusion and the conflict in your life? He's called the Wonderful Counselor. Are you waiting for him to give you wisdom and help you make a decision? This is the question. While you're waiting, are you waiting in, in, in hope that has fear and just a out there hope? Or are you waiting with joyful, confident expectation? I want to assure you that the King is coming he's coming but he doesn't always come the way you think he should and, and for some of you if that's not if that's a news flash I'll, I'll, I'll break the news to you he doesn't always come the way we think you know he was he was born in a manger the king of the universe God incarnate Emmanuel God with us the one who spoke the universe into creation was born in a manger. I think a king should be born in a mansion, not a manger. But he didn't. And I think that sometimes we think that our answer is coming in the mansion instead of the manger. It doesn't always come the way we think it does. In fact, many times when God breaks through to us and he comes in his glory, he comes in a season of suffering, doesn't he? He comes in the least expected times and moments in our life. And it's not always even convenient. It's in those difficult times that we need to continue to expect to meet Him. In the manger, we experience the wonder of His incarnation. It's in that encounter, that place that we encounter the Prince of Peace. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Where Jesus was born, the birthplace of Christ is the last place that anybody would have thought to look for a king. So what area in your life, what part of your life are you needing the king to arrive in? I think all of us have one. Will you welcome him? when he comes in a way that doesn't meet your expectations? If he comes in a way that you wouldn't have done it, will you have joy? Even if he surprises you with the way he comes into your life, will you have joy if his arrival looks more like a manger than a mansion? When he comes... Don't rush away from him. Find him in the places that Jesus wants to meet you in. In Luke 1, we find out a little bit more about Mary's joy. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. That's an interesting greeting. Anyone ever greeted you that way? You who are highly favored. Everyone say highly favored. <laughs> Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. 
you have found favor with God. In the Greek, the word there is charis. means grace. It's also translated favor. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. So as we continue and you're thinking about this, you're a 12, 13, 14-year-old girl, and an angel is telling you these things. That's crazy. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked this question, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who is said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. We have to remember that. I am the Lord's servant. And Mary said, May it be to me according to your word. What a great answer. And I, I, I've been in the church a long time, and I've said this before. I don't think in the Protestant church that we give Mary enough attention. There, there might be some groups of people who give her more attention than they should, but we, don't, we tend to shy away from her a little bit. But there is so much that we can learn from Mary this morning. She's an example, an amazing example of, of faith, to trust God, to have hope, an expectant waiting on Him. Reading about Mary, there's a lot of lessons here for us. We think about people of faith, we often think about some of the Old Testament guys, Moses or, or Gideon or, or the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. But we look at their lives and we read their stories, we find that every one of them argued with God. They all argued with God. They, they said things like, you, you've got the wrong guy, Moses said, right? He says, I, I can't speak. Gideon says, I'm the least among my brothers. You've got the wrong guy, I'm too weak. Isaiah, remember he said, I'm sinful. God, I'm not the right guy. I'm too sinful. Jeremiah thought he was too young. Jonah didn't think he was the right guy because he had so much hate in his life for Nineveh. But when we come to Mary's story, Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. It's a good answer. May it be to me according to your words. In other words, I'll do whatever you want. He didn't question God's, she didn't question God's judgment. She, she didn't question his decision. She did have a question for him, and she just asked, how? How will this be? It wasn't a, a why question. Why questions, somebody once said, when you ask why, you're not looking for an answer, you're looking for an argument. Some of you are going to start thinking about the way you talk to one another, to your spouses maybe. But when we ask why, we are. We're looking for a, an argument. But Mary didn't ask why. She just asked how. How are you going to do this? And I'm sure that she knew about the prophecies in Isaiah. She was Jewish. She grew up hearing the prophets read to her. In Isaiah 700 years before, it said that he will give birth to, the virgin will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, 700 years before Christ came. And, but I just don't think that Mary woke up one morning and went, you know, I'm a virgin. Maybe I'll have the Son of God. <laughs> I, don't think it was on her, I don't think it was on her mind. I don't think she ever dreamed anything like that would happen. What were her dreams for her life? Probably very ordinary. She'd get married to a, a normal guy, live an ordinary life, have some kids, probably never move. Just an average life. She couldn't have dreamed that one day she'd give birth to what Isaiah called Emmanuel, God with us. 
That was not in her thought. How would a pregnant, how would a, a virgin become pregnant? No one's ever heard of a pregnant virgin. I haven't. Heard some stories of girls who pretended they were virgins who got pregnant. But for Mary, it was different. God who created everything from the dust to the ground, he created man. He spoke the universe into creation. He created life in the womb of Mary just simply by the word of his mouth and the power of his spirit because nothing is impossible with God. When God says it, he can do it. And all that was required is Mary's yes. So be it according to your word. She had some dreams, and her yes put those dreams on hold. I want to talk about those words, highly favored. The phrase the angel used to describe Mary was highly favored. It, it, it happens twice in the Bible. First time it talks about Mary, and the second time it's in Ephesians 1.6. First to Mary, greetings, you are highly favored. But in Ephesians 1.6 it says, to the praise of his glory, of his grace, by which he made us highly favored. We often don't want to compare ourselves to Mary, some of these saints of God, but God calls us highly favored as well. He says we're accepted in the beloved. The word there was charis, charis. So followers of Christ are highly favored. You look, look at your neighbor before you fall asleep completely and say, you're highly favored. Highly favored. Isn't that awesome? So what happens when you're a highly favored people? There's a grace principle that, that we need to, to learn about. And it's really important. You can, you can write this down. Again, these, these aren't mine. They're things that I've found. When the favor of God rests on you, and you are a highly favored people, so when the favor of God rests on you, the power of God is released through you. Let's say that again. This is where it's going to get exciting here. When the favor of God rests on you, the power of God is released through you. See, grace isn't just God's kindness towards us to forgive our sins. It's also the key to his power working in us, working in you to accomplish his will. Just like Mary, you're highly favored by God. She asked, how is this going to happen? What was God's reply? By the power of the Holy Spirit. You're a highly favored people. Mary, you're a highly favored. And how am I going to get pregnant? How is the miracle of God going to happen in my life? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 34 and 5 in Luke. How will this be since I'm a virgin, Mary asked. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the highly favored one. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And that phrase, that other phrase, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, also only appears twice in the scriptures. Highly favored appears twice on Mary and on you. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you appears twice on Mary and in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You highly favored ones. Isn't that, a good, isn't that a good news? That should, that should begin to bring us some joy. Grace is favor, favor that we don't deserve, but grace is also the key to God's power that we can't generate on our own. As followers of Christ, we're highly favored and we receive the power of God through His Holy Spirit when He comes upon us. We're graced with grace. Grace is a gift. It means it's free. It comes because of Him, not anything that we can do. And grace is poured out upon us, and it comes. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, He, 
is able to do immeasurably more than all we, remember we're his highly favored ones, more than, more than we, than all we could ask or imagine, how according to his power that works within us. The power in us allows us to do the impossible. The Holy Spirit and power upon you allows you to do the impossible. And I hope that brings you some joy this morning. I want to cling to that truth every day. I tell you, sometimes it's hard. But when I find myself repeating these things and praying them and mulling them over and saying, I am a highly favored one of God. I have been graced with grace and it's nothing that I deserve, but God has given me his Holy Spirit and power has come upon me and I am God's highly favored one. His peace rests on me. His favor rests on me. It's a prayer that we can pray, God, will you give me power, the Holy Spirit, to rest on my life, to let me walk in your power each day. Love Mary didn't tell what God, what he could do or what he couldn't do. She didn't argue with God. Say, God, you're, you're making a mistake on this one. She just said yes. Some of you, I'm wondering if you've talked to God and said, God, you're making a mistake. I can't do it. I can't do what you called me to do and I can't stop doing what you're calling me and asking me to stop. I'm incapable. Don't tell God what you're incapable of doing. Don't tell God who you think you are. Let God tell you who he knows you are. Let him tell you and speak life and hope and peace into your circumstances in your life. Let him tell you who you are. And one of the things he tells you this morning, he tells me, he says, you are a highly favored people. That's pretty awesome. What happens to highly favored people? The presence of Christ is born through us right where you live. The presence of God is, is cast into relationships that you have and he wants to birth something in you if you'll say yes. He wants to, to do something special. What can he do through your life? Well, if he can create life just by speaking it, the power of his word, the power of his spirit, he can do a lot in you. If we would begin to say what Mary says every day, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. I believe the power of God will become to come into our life more and more. And we see victory and change. I think we'll receive power to bring peace where there's conflict. Power to bring hope in the moments of despair. I believe there's, we could bring power to have power to bring healing to brokenness. I believe there's power to overcome addiction and habits in Christ. I believe there's power to bring counsel where there's foolishness and confusion. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses everywhere you go. That was the primary and first reason for the power. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. And, and I think that gets a little scary for us thinking that he actually wants us to be our be his witnesses but I want to break that down as we walk in the power of God everywhere we go we're just a witness for his love and his power and his his life in a transformed life and we might not know how to share our faith with somebody but but there's some simple things that you can do and even as we're encouraged during this this holiday season because there's two times a year that people are more likely to go to church it's Christmas and Easter. So it's a great time to invite somebody to church. So maybe you could just invite somebody to the Christmas Eve service or next week. 
And I think a lot of people have to think, yeah, you know, that would probably be a good idea. Where you can allow the, the gospel to be preached through song and through a pastor. You don't have to do it all on your own, though. If you've got the confidence, just share the love of Jesus with someone and pray and say, God, I thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit is upon me to be your witness. When we're thinking about sharing our faith with people, we get really scared. Who's scared about sharing their faith? Anyone? Okay. There are a lot of you others are liars. Because <laughs> I know that talking to people about our faith is, is difficult. And it's, a, it's a scary thing. So I want to encourage you just a couple of things. Think about this. What's the worst thing that could happen when you invite somebody to church or share your faith? Now, we don't live in Iran. If you live in Iran, that could be a little different. I want to make light of that. But here in this, what's the worst thing that could happen? What's the best thing that might happen? If the good outweighs the bad, I encourage you, just go ahead and do it. Mary found joy. God gave Mary a promise. And a seed was planted in her heart. And Mary said, yes. And something began. A miracle was set in motion. And, but I tell you, it didn't happen overnight. You know, I was thinking, of course, about Mary during the Christmas season, as we all do. And, and even, even some of the ways we think about distances, when you're reading the story, it says that, you know, she went to her, her, her cousin Elizabeth's house where John the Baptist was. You know, that was about 80 miles. It makes it sound like she just showed up there. But she walked 80 miles. She walked to Nazareth, which was about 90 miles walking and riding on a donkey at nine months pregnant. Ladies, do you hear me? Riding on a donkey for a 90-mile trek. That's like walking from here to Indio. Palm Springs is about 85 miles, I think, so a little bit further than Palm Springs like Indio. On a donkey at nine months pregnant. That was, a, that, was a, that was a tough time. When she went to her cousin's, to Elizabeth's house, that was the beginning of her, of her pregnancy, she did that trip having morning sickness. She started getting, I don't use the word fat, but since I've heard a lot of pregnant ladies going, I'm getting so fat, she was getting fat. Her feet were swelling. It was a long pregnancy. And I've heard this from some pregnant women before. My wife has had four babies, and I've been around a lot of people who've had babies. At some point they go, can't this just happen any faster? Right? You know, at first it's like, oh, it's so exciting. I'm so pregnant. And then it's like, when will the baby come? <coughs> you know, there's nothing you can do to really speed up this gestation period of the baby is there. I mean, when it's due, you go out for buying and you eat some food. There's all these things. Like you might be able to hurry up the birth by a day or a couple of hours. And we've seen all these things. And, you know, you can walk. But you can't really change the 40 weeks of pregnancy much, can you? God has got a gestation period that he designed that women have to wait in order to have their child. You can't eat healthy enough to make it 20 weeks. You know what? I'm just going to do really good. I'm going to just, just watch everything really well, and I'm going to have my baby in 20 weeks. We're going to do it half the time. I was thinking about that. Because sometimes we're going through a, a pregnancy of waiting. We're uncomfortable waiting for the answer of God. And perhaps you have a gestation period. 
and you have to wait until it's time. Sometimes we have to go through adversity during the pregnancy. Mary did. And sometimes we do also. We have to be uncomfortable. We're waiting for the Lord to do something in our, in our life. Like an expectant mother, when is this going to happen? I think mom's trying to do this sometimes. Come on, kid. What are you waiting for? You going to come out yet? Get with the program. Sometimes we do the same thing. Come on, God. What's the matter? Get with the program. I want my answer. I need my answer. Can we do this in half the time? Gestation periods are set by God. Is it possible that your waiting period is a gestation period? Life is coming. God started something in the womb. He's creating something, but it's not time yet. Maybe there's nothing you can do to speed it up. Just keep waiting with joyful, expectant hope. Cooperate with God in the process. You, you, you can't fight against it too long. When, when Shannon got pregnant with our fourth son, Samuel, we, he, he, he wasn't planned. She didn't want to take a pregnancy test. I don't think she took a pregnancy test for four months. She didn't really want to admit it. And I think some of you have maybe had a similar story. It's like, no. We, we just, it was, it, was a, it was an interesting time and an interesting season. But there was something happening inside her nonetheless. Sometimes you're going through a season like that and you're like, no, this isn't going to happen. It's happening. So you begin to, you got to start getting ready. You got to start preparing yourself think about a a a pregnant woman an expectant mother and i love that word expectant she's she's you know it's not gonna not gonna just happen though we do have a friend whose mom apparently didn't know she was pregnant and gave birth on her couch i mean like really that's the story but most moms, they're expecting at some point going, yeah, baby's coming. And so what do they do? They begin to prepare themselves. They begin to eat better. If they, if they drink alcohol, they, they stop drinking alcohol. If they, if they smoke, they stop eating. They stop smoking. If, if, if they don't eat the best, they, be, they change their diet. They begin to eat healthier. They begin to take prenatal vitamins. They begin to get ready they they hear that if you walk a lot your your birth goes better so they start walking shan and i walked so much when she was pregnant with the kids just all the time we walked you know three to five miles a day even on the even up until the day that uh that matthew was born we took a couple mile walk she was trying to get ready she was preparing herself why women prepare themselves waiting for the for the birth of their their baby they sacrifice themselves in the season of, of expectation so in your season of advent and you're waiting and you're hoping for the lord to come and do the miracle inside of you that you're praying for you need to prepare yourself You've got to cut out the unhealthy practices. You have any? Get rid of the unhealthy influences. We've got to cut out the, the mental junk food that we feed ourselves. And instead, we need to fill our mind, our heart, with the truth in God's Word, 
We have to fill it with the things that he says about us that are true and stop believing the lies of the world and the lies from the enemy. There's a scripture in Colossians 3. It, it talks a little bit about how to prepare ourselves. It says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Put him to death. Don't put him in the closet. Put him to death. They need to be dead to us. These things that are, that are against the way God wants us to live. And I'm challenged when I think about that because if we're really putting something to death and, and it's not supposed to be alive anymore, I mean, that's an extreme thing. Should we, even, even though we're not practicing it, should we watch it? Should we listen to it? Not if it's dead to us. Put it to dead in your own life. Used to walk in these ways, in a life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Put them away from your lips. How do you do that? Not by your own strength. You do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. You've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, the Bible says, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So as God's chosen people, as his what? Highly favored people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, clothe yourselves with kindness, clothe yourselves with humility and gentleness and patience, Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Be thankful and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Prepare yourself by changing your lifestyle, cutting those things out of your life that are not healthy and live the way God wants you to in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you prepare yourself. And then a mother also prepares her environment. I love, I love to see when a, a mom and dad are expecting their first kid and they, they start setting up the room. Usually, you know, somebody gets kicked out. You know, my office became the came the nursery and we painted the walls and put Noah's Ark stuff on the walls and made it yellow and all to get ready for little Matthew. We, 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 we prepared the room to make it ready for the baby. We, we, with time we started, we'd prepare the house to make it baby safe. You prepare the room. You prepare yourself, a woman prepares herself, we have to prepare ourselves to receive the miracle, and then we need to prepare our spaces, and, and I, I think w the way we do that is, is that w we look around at the things that are not healthy and not baby-friendly, they're not God-friendly, and we begin to prepare our spaces, and one of the ways we can do that is by turning off some of the junk that we watch and listen to and putting on praise and worship. Fill your car with worship of God instead of other things. Prepare the environment. Make it a place that, that brings the peace of God instead of angst and anxiety and, and uh, discouragement and depression or, or, or help cause us to think of, of things that are just not what God wants us. We change our priorities. We change the house around us. And I tell you, it costs, doesn't it? When you do that, it, there's a sacrifice. You don't get to live always the way you want to when you're expecting a child. You sacrifice some of those goodies that you like for the health of the baby. You say goodbye to the man cave for the baby, the office, the sewing room. You sacrifice because it's not always easy. Get rid of these things. 
and prepare your heart. Let every heart prepare him room. The more we prepare, the more ready we become. Unfortunately, also, with the more ready we become, we become uncomfortable sometimes. It's getting closer. But we're going to wait with joyful, confident expectation that life is coming. God is at work in your life, church. The Message Bible says this. Roll up your sleeves. Put your mind in gear. This is talking about his, his coming, but I think it can be related here to his coming into a mir- in, in a miracle in our life. Roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. So as obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life that is shaped by God's life. I like this last part. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. Roll up your sleeves. Get your mind ready. Let it be a life energetic and blazing with holiness. Prepare your environment with the things of God. Worship. Spend time with people who love Jesus and who encourage you who love you and who love the word and can speak the truth of the word to you, who will encourage you along the way and coach you along the way. You've got to be ready personally and get your environment ready. Now sometimes there's a gestation period. It's set by God and you just got to do the waiting, but sometimes the waiting is taking long because you haven't made yourself ready yet. Is it perhaps the thing that you're praying for, the thing that you're waiting for, the thing that you're hoping for hasn't happened because you're not prepared. You haven't made yourself ready yet. And when I'm talking to young people or unmarried people, I often say, you know, they say, well, I I just want to get married. And I've just got a really simple question for them. Well, are you marryable? Well, what do you mean? Well, look at your life. Would you want to marry you? I've talked to some people, they don't have a job. Men, they don't have a job. They don't have a house. I want to get married. I'm like, get a job. Get a house. What are you doing? They're hoping, hoping something's going to happen, but they're not marryable. When you want the miracle of God to come into your life, Are you ready? Have you made yourself ready? In this process, you can ask yourself, is there something? God, I'm I'm praying for this. I want to see this happen, whether it's a, a, a healing, a miracle for God to start something through your life or to help you overcome something. You can ask, God, is there something that you want me to give up Or do you want me to start up? Is there something you want me to give up? Or is there something you want me to start up to make myself ready for your arrival? Many of the encounters we've had with God in my life have come at dark times. You've got to prepare your heart and Seek the Lord in every situation. Is there something? Again, Psalm 27 says, Wait with hope for the Lord with joyful, confident expectation. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Yes, wait with hope for the Lord. Embrace the process like Mary did of what God wants to do in your life. Prepare your heart. Prepare your life. Prepare your environment for the answer that God's coming. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit comes on you because you're a highly favored person. Highly favored one. Let's be like Mary this Christmas. So be it according to your word.
Yes, Lord. Yes. This morning you might be here and have a question, whether you're a visitor or maybe you've been coming. Have you made room in your life for Jesus at all? Have you allowed Christ, the Christ child, to come in and change your life? Have you made room in your heart for, for Christ? Have you said, Lord, I need you to be my Savior? Christmas is a wonderful time to do that. In fact, it would be the best Christmas gift you could give to yourself. The best gift that you could give to yourself is to say, Lord Jesus, I want you as my Savior. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. Let your Holy Spirit come upon me. I want to be a highly favored one, full of the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference, to quit the things that I want to quit and to let you live inside of me. We're going to close in prayer as we want to make room in our hearts for the joy that comes with Christmas. Heavenly Father, in this Advent season, hoping and expecting you to come, waiting, Father, we want to do it with joyful expectation, confident, joyful expectation that you are here now and you are coming into our situation, that you are birthing a miracle where we need one. We invite you in. God, there might be someone this morning who's never invited you to be their Lord. I pray that they would open their heart and say, God, forgive me of my sin. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to be a highly favored one. I need the power that Pastor Rob is talking about. The power of the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to celebrate Christmas for the true reason that we celebrate it the coming of the Lord Jesus God for all of us we have need of a miracle in our life and you know each heart in here and everyone's story God we pray that we would look to you we begin to wait expectantly for the answer preparing our heart filling our lives with the good things of the word helping us to say no to ungodliness because you've given us the power to rid ourselves from those things and to put to death those things and saying yes to you and to what you have for us God we want to be ready for when the miracle comes in our life Father, we thank you for this season, and I thank you for everyone here this morning. God bless us all, in Jesus' name.